Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Talk Show on another happy Monday in the month of September. The year is 2021, and there's been no year like it. All right. I want to welcome all of those who are here thinking that they were going to listen to Dr. Will Miller for Spiritual Revolution Radio. Dr. Will Miller was unable to make it to the studio today, and I got here a few minutes early so as to cover for him by talking about my own stuff. So thank you, Will, for the opportunity. He really is a great guy, and he knows a lot of cool things. All right, so today I want to talk to you about a concept that I've been pondering. One question that I've had for myself and for the universe at many times is, what's up with when I understand manifestation? I understand the concepts behind it. I understand even the beliefs that I think that I have changed in order to be able to manifest, and yet it still doesn't seem to get there. There's still something dragging in the mud. And I've come to an understanding that we have two levels of belief. And I want to explain this to you. So, And I've got a little bit of extra time today. So we're going to get into this. There are two levels of belief. Today's show topic is belief within belief. Now, Mark Twain, and I'm going to butcher this, so I apologize. He said something to the effect of, humans are a really strange species in that they can know something and not yet believe it. And I think that you can say it the other way, too, that humans are a very strange species in that they can believe something and not yet know it. And I also believe that humans are very strange in that they can know something and not know that they know it. But that applies to all of us. Now, Abraham Hicks says, words don't teach. It's only personal experience that teaches. And these two things are related. So when I had foster kids, one thing that I learned, because I learned so many things, but one thing that I learned is the concept of an internal locus of control and an external locus of control. And a locus is essentially kind of a focus point. You can have a locus of consciousness. Now, every person in our life, through our childhood development and into adulthood, as we interact with the world around us, we learn what we have effect on and what we don't have effect on. If you are a parent and have ever had a toddler, you've probably seen them pull a chair over the light switch, climb up on the chair, and turn the light switch on and off. And it may have driven you crazy. But there's a very valuable thing happening when that child climbs on that chair and flips that light switch up and down. Because they know, in theory, because they've seen you do it. They've watched mom and dad and everybody else flip that light switch and make the light change. So when that, they understand the concept of it, but it's not until they push the chair over and climb up on that chair and flip that light switch themselves that they gain the inner understanding that they also have that power and that ability to turn the lights on and off in the room. And it might be extra empowering. And this is super empowering for a child. Please let your children play and figure out what things they can do because it's incredibly empowering for a child to see that they can accomplish something, even something like making the light bright. Do you know what a big deal that is for a kid to go from being in a dark room that might be kind of scary 
to being able themselves to turn the light on and, and take their own fear away, that's incredibly empowering. And then if they turn the light on and off and on and off and mom and dad get upset, that's even more empowering because they caused the effect of not only brightening the room, but they caused an emotional reaction in mom and dad. And isn't that fun? And if the funny thing about that is if you reward it by playing into it, then they're going to think it's great and they're going to look for other ways to get a rise out of mom and dad. So it's a good idea as a parent to encourage the learning and be patient with it and not give an emotional reaction, an obvious visible emotional reaction to something that you don't want to continue because even a negative emotional reaction is still a reaction to that child and that child is going, look what I accomplished. And then they're likely to do it again, looking for the same response again. Side note to parenting. The point is when that child sees you do it, sees you turn the light on, that teaches his external locus of control. I'm going to change that word because I prefer, I don't love the word control. I want to call it an external locus of power. And what this means is it's, this is where you hold the locus of power in your life and essentially who has that locus of power in your life. So up until a child can flip that light switch for themselves, they see that that power is available. They see that somebody else can do it and they think that maybe they can. But it's not until, and so at that point it's in their external locus of power. But when they climb up on the chair and they flip the light switch and they see what they are capable of, then that belief that they can turn the light on and off transitions into their internal locus of power. And they now have the knowledge and the belief that they can go into another room and flip that light switch. And if they do that and the light switch doesn't come on, they will be more surprised than if it had come on. And that's how manifesting works. That is the simple truth of it is you have two levels of belief, your external locus of power and your internal locus of power. And very often, these two areas disagree because you have essentially two main voices in your head. You have your mind, which is your personality and your ego, and it's who you are. It's what you defend. It's who you're here fighting for. It's who you're trying to figure out answers for. And then you also have the voice of your soul that speaks inside your head. And it can be very difficult to tell the difference sometimes between these. But as you spend time learning to listen to your higher self, it begins easier to recognize. And then it begins easier to recognize when it's your ego and your fear talking and you can begin to separate them. But here's the thing. You can have a thought that is not necessarily in your either of your locus of power. But if you have any belief system, because these locuses of power are your two belief systems, and your, the internal one is the core of it, the external one is the beliefs that sit around that. And your internal beliefs, the beliefs that sit inside that internal locus of power, those are the beliefs that you function on. Those are the beliefs under which you manifest the life that you're living. If you want to manifest something different, you must change the beliefs 
in your inner locus of belief, in your inner locus of power. So for example, if you grew up being taught that money is the root of all evil, or even the love of money is the root of all evil, or that good things can't come from good things, that like if you do a job that you love, then it would be sinful to actually get rewarded and paid for that. And those are things that seem so silly and to some of us at some times, and yet those are beliefs that many of us and all of us on some level or in some way or some different belief took on early on as a child when our minds were still jelly before the jello hardened and we created these belief systems, these literal pathways in our brain related to these belief systems. For example, that money is the root of all evil and thus if you have some, you must be doing something bad. And by having that belief, you will prevent yourself from ever having the amount of money that you're truly wanting to have that will truly bring you the support and comfort and safety in your life that you're looking for. Because anytime you get money, you will feel guilty, you'll feel evil, and so you'll immediately get rid of it so that you don't feel that way. And that's how deep those beliefs are. I don't care how old you are. If that belief got written into your system, into your internal locus of power when you were a child, you need to unbreak that belief. You need to relearn that belief in order to turn that around and in order to feel good about having money in your pocket. So here's where those two differing beliefs come in. Because here's a pro tip. Your soul knows better. Your soul knows that you are an infinitely abundant being and you absolutely deserve and have a right to all of the abundance that this world has to offer, whether that's financial, loving, or otherwise. You, by the nature of your existence, lay a claim to this abundance. Your higher self, your soul knows this. And as we've talked about before, you've got your body or you, who you are, is essentially three parts. Your soul, spirit, higher self your body, mind, ego, and, or sorry, not body, mind, ego, but um, personality, mind, ego, and then third is your body. And one thing that you will often find in your life is that those two voices that you hear in your head, your higher self and your mind, are going to argue because your soul knows that you deserve to have money in your pocket. And if you are holding a belief within your internal locus of control that you don't, you're going to have a really hard time manifesting money. And not only that, but now you find yourself in conflict, in contrast, and what you might even call cognitive dissonance, which is when there's two voices in your head that disagree. And we've all been there, and it can be torturous. In fact, depending on how your body manifests things, when you are going through cognitive dissonance, you, that may manifest in your body in a headache. Because if you've got two lines of thought arguing in your head, your soul, which knows the truth. And again, I'm not asking you to believe me. Anything I tell you is just a voice you're hearing on the radio or a podcast. Don't believe a word I say until it, you get confirmation from your own heart that these things are true, and then believe that. Don't believe it because I said it. So you have these beliefs. 
And the best, there are different ways to resolve them, to clarify them. We've talked about rules, and these are bullcrap rules that we've accepted. So the idea that money might be the root of all evil, and if you have some, it means that you're evil, that is a rule. That's a bullcrap rule that somewhere along the line I accepted, and maybe you did too. But your higher self, so that's your mind and your personality that, that thinks that. Your higher self and soul knows that you're abundant. Those two voices are talking in your head. Now, here's the problem, is that in your internal locus of control if you're hold, or, or power, if you're holding on to that belief, no matter how hard your soul tries to tell you, all you're going to have is arguments inside your head, cognitive dissonance, and that feeling of unease, that feeling of discomfort, that feeling of frustration because you can't work it out. My friends, I want you to pay attention to that. When you get that cognitive dissonance, when you get that frustration, when you get that irritation inside your own head, when you start to get a headache because you've been thinking about it until it literally made your head hurt, that's when you have cognitive dissonance. That's when your soul and your mind are disagreeing. And the easy answer is your soul is right. The harder answer is convincing your mind to agree with your soul. So you can have in your external locus of control or power the concept. You can accept the idea. Okay, I heard it on the radio. It felt right to me when I heard it that I am an abundant being. Because listen to yourself. Don't listen to me when I say that. But listen to yourself when I say that. You are an infinitely abundant being. By nature of who you are and your existence in this universe, you have a right and a claim to infinite abundance. Now, you're probably feeling two things inside yourself when I say that because your soul hears it and goes, yes! But there's probably a part of your mind that's like, uh, no, I don't, no, I don't, no, I don't. I'm not that good. I'm not that cool. I don't deserve good things like that. That's the one that's lying to you. And if you say each of those statements to yourself, you will feel which one of those feels true. Believe that. But here's the thing. It's not just that easy because you can accept that. You can accept, okay, I accept that I am an infinite being and I deserve the best of all things. But your internal locus of power still believes what you were taught as a child. And that's where you have to learn to absorb the new belief, the higher belief, what you now recognize as even the true belief. You have to absorb that into your internal locus of power. Now, that takes us back to what Abraham Hicks said, because Abraham Hicks said, words don't teach. It is only personal experience that teaches. And that's one reason, guys, why I'm not telling you to believe a single thing that I say. I don't want you to hang any of your life choices on what Della said. I want you to hear what Della said and test some things out and find your truth for yourself and base some life choices off of that to make yourself happier. That's what I'm hoping you find here. So how do you make that change? How do you make that adaptation from the external locus of, of consciousness and power and belief where you understand an idea on a concept level, on a theoretical level, you even believe it on that level, but yet it has not been absorbed into your internal locus of power 
how do you get it there? And that is the real question. Here's the progress of things. An idea turns into a thought. A thought turns into words. Words turn into actions. Actions turn into habits. Habits change your life. Here's the fun thing. You can start at the beginning of that ladder or you can start at any step on that ladder. If you want to change your life, you can start at the beginning with an idea that you just want a better life. Oh, man, and that's a good place to start. And then figure out what kind of better life you want. Figure out what things you are not happy with. And using that reference, figure out what things you would like to have. Start small and work up. So start with your idea that then goes to a thought. Formulate that idea into thoughts. Thoughts that you could repeat to someone else or explain. These are the things I want to change. These are the things I would like to have better. And I believe that I deserve these things. I believe that I have a right to these things. There's a part of my mind, maybe not all of it, but there's a part of my mind that knows that I have a right to these things. And acknowledge the part of you that does know. It's okay if you can't claim, I know without a doubt that I have a right to these things because there's not very many things that we know without a doubt. But give yourself credit for the knowledge you have. You can say, when I said that to myself, I felt the truth of the statement that I am infinitely abundant. And there's part of my brain that isn't buying it yet, but I'm going to give credit to the part of my brain that does buy it. And turn that into a thought that you can articulate. And then you can turn that thought into an action. And what does that action look like? That action might be buying yourself that pair of shoes. Because you say to yourself, you know what? If I'm as infinitely abundant as I believe that I am, I'm going to show the universe that I believe that I am by buying myself this pair of shoes. Because if I wasn't abundant, I might not be able to or I might not have the courage to. But because I know I'm abundant, I know it's going to be okay. I know that there will be room in my checking account for this pair of shoes because I am abundant. And that might seem really silly. And if you're new to all these ideas, you might toss that idea out the window and think it's crazy. But my friends, there's value to that. That is a real thing. And I don't expect you to believe it because I say it. But I do encourage you to believe it by testing out the belief, listening to your heart, and then further test out the belief by actually trying these things. Another thing you can do to exercise your abundance through your actions, here's a fun one that Abraham Hicks recommends, is you can take a $100 bill or you can take a Monopoly $100 bill and go to the store and just walk around the store and think, what could I buy with this $100 bill? You don't even have to go to the store. You can go on Amazon. You can go online and just think, what could I buy if I have had a $100 bill? And if you're having fun with that, then get four more bills out of the Monopoly box so you have $500 and just say to yourself, what could I buy? And go mental shopping, window shopping we used to call it. And just think about all the things that you could buy with that $500. And here's the key. You have to say it with the right attitude. If you're like, oh man, I wish I could have that and I wish I could have that. What you're telling the universe is that you can't have that. 
What I recommend is put all that stuff in your cart. When you click that put it in cart button, you are making an an extra commitment showing the universe, I wouldn't even put it in my cart if I didn't think I could get it. And at the end, if you delete the whole cart, that's what you do. But put it in your cart. Show the universe, I have enough power that if I wanted this, I could get it. And maybe I would only get one of these 27 things I just put in my cart. But clicking on that button to put it in your cart tells the universe, I could do this if I wanted to. I may or may not check out at the end, but I could if I wanted. And when you show the universe that, it has to reaffirm that back to you. The universe is a big, fat expansion mirror. And whatever you give it, it will give back to you even bigger. Even if it's not actually spending the money, just acting like you're thinking or acting like you're spending the money or thinking about spending the money or mentally spending the money or going through the whole process of shopping for all the things and putting them in your cart and maybe just don't go through the checkout at the end. But in doing that, you are acting abundant, which shows the universe that you are abundant. And here's the key. When you do these things, you will start to see the results come back to you. You will start to see the bits and pieces, the, the pebbles of the manifestations that you begin to see. And when you begin to see those things, when you go, oh, hey, oh my gosh, look what just happened. Wow. Then those pebbles build up. And then you have a pile of pebbles and those pebbles start coming bigger as rocks. And as they begin coming bigger and bigger, it fuels that internal locus of power. It shows you, look, I can manifest little things. And if you believe you can manifest little things, then you're going to be able to manifest bigger things. Conceptually, if you can manifest a button, you can manifest a mountain. Jesus compared a mustard seed. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. And conceptually, it's one and the same. Conceptually, it's all just manipulation of the energy. And, and maybe manipulation isn't even the right word. It's just flowing of the energy into what you intend. And that can be a button or that can be a mountain. But it's easy for us to believe in the button than to believe in the mountain. So start believing in the button. And once you start manifesting some buttons, you gain a little bit of faith. Don't stop there. The hang-up that many, many of us have is we stop our forward progress out of fear of failure. Not out of actual failure, but out of fear of failure. Failure kills more dreams. No, fear kills more dreams than failure ever would because, and every single one of us is guilty of it, we would rather not try something than try it and then fail. As humans, we are terrified of our own potential. If we weren't, we would reach out and grab it. Humans are, in fact, terrified of our own potential. And one thing one step I believe that many, if not most of us take in learning to manifest is we start to manifest some cool things, just little things, what seems like little things, the baby steps, the beginnings, and we get really excited about it. And we go, oh my gosh, look, oh wow, it works. But uh, what if I try something bigger and it doesn't work? Because maybe you're manifesting buttons and, and sandwiches and running into friends and what you really want to manifest is millions of dollars and a plane and trips around the world. 
which according to the universe are, are the same thing. One is just as easy as the other. The problem is you don't believe in the other. It's easier to believe in the button. Start with the button, start with the pebble. But then when you do that, don't back off. Don't get scared. When you begin to see your power, when you begin to see how awesome you are, when you begin to see the glitter that is shining through your shell, don't cover it up with mud again. But I understand when you begin to see the inklings of how powerful and amazing you actually are, it's really, really easy to be afraid that if you take one more step forward, you might fall flat on your face. And we're afraid of that. So we don't take that next step forward. We're going to have a short break here in a minute where we get the intro for my show. And here we go with that. Remember, this is Della Hill. I'm covering for Dr. Will Miller for Spiritual Revolution Radio. And here we come with the extraordinary talk show. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Extraordinary Talk Show. For those of you just joining us, we just came back after a quick break. I started a little bit earlier speaking for Dr. Will Miller for Spiritual Revolution Radio because he wasn't able to be here today. But welcome back, and we're going to jump right back in. We're talking about the belief within belief and how you can know an idea, understand the concept of it, but until that idea gets written into your deeper internal beliefs, what I call your internal locus of power, you can't actually live and function and manifest in your life according to those new ideas. So you must learn to bring them in and create the belief within you. Now, there are multiple ways to do that. So as I said, you got your, if you have the idea of what you want to change, you make it into a thought that you could articulate. You turn it into an action, which becomes a habit, which then becomes a change in your life. That's one way to manifest. But you don't have to do all those steps. You can start with the idea of what it is that you want to change. And you can jump right to the action. So one example is if you have the idea that you want to be an outdoorsman and you think that you need a boat so you can go fishing so you can be an outdoorsman and you want to manifest a boat. How I would recommend you do that is instead of manifesting a boat so you can go fishing so you can be an outdoorsman, just start being an outdoorsman. Maybe find a friend who has a boat because one thing I believe is you don't need a boat. You just need a friend who has a boat. Or you can just go right down to the lake and sit on the edge of the lake to fish. You don't need that boat in order to be an outdoorsman. But by acting like an outdoorsman, by showing the universe, hey, look, I'm an outdoorsman. I'm out here fishing. The universe will reinforce that. And if you have the right thought processes and the right actions towards it, you will very quickly, likely, also manifest a boat. But the trick is, you can do it backwards. You don't have to manifest a boat so you can go fishing so you can be an outdoorsman. You start being an outdoorsman, and you go fishing. And that's when the boat comes. So how does that make a difference 
in our internal locus of power versus our external locus of power. By personal experience, like Abraham Hicks said, words don't teach, it's only personal experience that teaches. When you go start acting like the outdoorsman, that gives you that personal experience. Then you are acting with a vibration that tells the universe, I am acting as an outdoorsman, treat me as an outdoorsman. Haven't you ever noticed that people treat you how you teach them to treat you? If you act a certain way, people will treat you that way. If you act like a jerk, people will treat you like a jerk. If you act like you're nice, people will usually treat you like you're nice. And that means, again, like I said, if you act like a jerk, people will treat you like a jerk. If you wonder, how come everyone in my life is mean to me? I hate to say this, but honey, you might be being more mean to the people in your life than you realize you're being. Because they're going to treat you the way that you treat them. So that takes us back to being. Just start acting like it. You can skip the, the thoughts and the con- conceptualizing and the months and years of meditating and mantras. And those are one way that you can turn, change an internal belief. Now, here's the funny thing about your internal beliefs is your internal, the beliefs that you hold in your internal locus of power can either be personal personality ego beliefs that are incorrect, like rules that you have to change, or they can, they can be higher soul beliefs. And the more higher soul beliefs you have in your internal locus of control, the better and the easier you'll be able to manifest. But it can also, your external locus of belief and power can also be a confusing belief. So for example, you can hold with, with you internally the belief that you are lovable because your soul knows that. And that can even be in your internal locus of belief. But you can let your external ideas bounce around that. Um, so if you know you're lovable, when people tell you that you're not, you won't believe them. And my gosh, there's a lot of power to that. Here's my example is when I was a small child, I began speaking at the age of 18 months and my mother taught me to read. So I was reading before I went to kindergarten and first grade. And my mother always told me I was smart. My mother raised me from a very small child telling me all the time that I was smart. And as a parent, if you want to put an idea and a belief into your children's heads, you've got your first six, seven years to do it. And I hope you do it just like my mom did and tell them how smart and awesome and amazing and godlike and wonderful they are and how they deserve so many good things. Because then when they get older and they're trying to manifest, they'll already have all that stuff in their internal locus of control and belief. So when you hold, I held that belief that I was smart in my internal locus of belief. And when I was in middle school, I had, as we often do, bullies and mean kids who would say mean things to me. And they could say a lot of things that I wasn't sure about. Was I tall and gangly and awkward? Yeah, I was. Was I stupid? Nope. When those kids told me, tried to tell me that I was dumb, that just bounced right off. 
because I knew within my internal locus of control and belief and power that I was very smart. And so even though they tried to throw some darts into my external locus, they tried to cause me some doubt. And guys, the external locus is where the doubt lives. They tried to throw doubt in there and it had no shot because my mother taught me better. My mother taught me that I am smart. And because I know I'm smart, meaning the Della personality, ego, and mind knows I'm smart, and my higher self knows I'm smart, I'm in alignment with that. I have no cognitive dissonance when it comes to knowing that I'm smart. Here's my challenge, is to figure out what things you're having cognitive dissonance on. We can go years and years and our entire lives ignoring these things. But if you have a feeling of unease over an idea or a topic or a belief, even if it's something you've believed your whole life, if you have a feeling of unease about that, there might be something deeper you need to evaluate there. And if you want to eliminate that unease, and if you want to bring alignment to your soul and your mind, figure out what it is that you're disagreeing on. Figure out where are you holding that belief? What do you got to do to let go of it? And what is the true belief that you should adopt? What does your soul know? What is your soul trying to tell you? Where do you have doubt? Where do you have cognitive dissonance? Doubt only lives in the external locus. And doubt serves one positive purpose and one perhaps unhelpful purpose. One of the positive purposes is if you have a belief that your higher soul knows isn't necessarily true, but it's in your internal locus of power, your higher self will drop doubt into your external locus of power. Will drop doubt into your cognitive mind. Will make you question. Will give you, dis- will give you the cognitive dissonance. When you think about that thing, you'll feel uneasy. And that's when you need to realize, what do I believe about this? What should I believe about this? And how do I take that higher belief and bring it to the center, bring it inside, bring it internally so I can use that to manifest? Another way to manifest the simplest and easiest way that there is, is to forget all of it. Take all of those ideas and beliefs that your personality and mind has been chewing on for days and months and years and put it to the side and realize that we're going to figure it all out. But right this minute, none of it matters. And right this minute, allow your mind and your soul to connect in your heart space through your body. And when you align your soul and your mind and your body, when you're in full alignment, you have access to full, total, and instant manifesting power. Why is that? Because all of those beliefs that you were holding that were blocking you are now held to the side. They're pushed away. They are forgotten about. The gate is open. It's our own resistance. It's our own beliefs to the opposite that prevent us from manifesting every day, all the time, powerfully and instantly. When you can 
reach alignment, you put all of your resistance to the side. And it might come back in two minutes. But maybe it's because you're meditating. And maybe it's because you're lost in your lover's eyes. And maybe it's because you're eating the most delicious strawberry you've ever had in your life and there's nothing else you can possibly think of but the beautiful taste of that strawberry. Whatever it is that is bringing you into alignment, what Abraham and Esther Hicks would call the vortex, and away from your resistance, that's when manifestation opens up. And that's the simplest, easiest way to do it. But again, easier said than done. How do you align those? The way that I found, and again, Abraham Hicks recommends this as well. Have as much fun as you can possibly have. Guys, I was meditating last week and the secret to happiness came to me. In a flash of mental light, I understood the one thing to be happy, the one thing you got to do to be happy or actually not do is don't do things you don't want to do. And if I say that, you might get cognitive dissonance just from me saying that because we've been told to follow instructions and do as we're told our whole lives. I was told that going to church would make me happy. But going to church did not make me happy. I was very unhappy going to church, but I did it anyway because I was told it was going to make me happy. Once in a while here and there, I experienced happiness along the way, but never it was the happiness that I was promised because everybody else kept telling me, well, keep doing. Maybe you're just not doing it right. But the thing was, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to go to those activities. I didn't want to sit and read scriptures with 50 other people for an hour. That didn't sound like fun to me. And if it sounds like fun to you, you do it. I am not telling you to do things the way I do it. I'm telling you, I'm encouraging you to do the things that make you happy. I learned that that was the thing that didn't make me happy. I didn't want to do it. I stopped doing it and I'm happier. Here's the simplest test that I want you to test with your internal and external belief system. If I tell you, in order to be happy, don't do things you don't want to do, I imagine you're immediately going to have cognitive dissonance because you're going to say, well, how the heck does that work, Della? There's always things in my life I don't want to do. I have to do this. I have to go to work. I have to take care of the kids. I have to change the baby's diaper. Okay. Yes. From the first time that I thought about the idea of only doing things that made me happy, which is what Abraham Hicks encouraged, to now has been two to three years. And it's taken me that long to get as far as I am to where I only do the majority of the things that I do are things I really want to do. So it's not a change you can make overnight, probably. But if you can, I recommend it. So I'm not asking you to immediately stop doing everything that you don't want to do. But start with a few things. A few of those things that you don't want to do, just don't do them. Or wait until you do want to do them. And if that means that the laundry piles up for a week, give that a shot and see what happens. I gave myself a test of this. Um, 
because I truly wanted to see if only doing things that I wanted to do would make me happier. I mean, okay, it sounds like, oh yeah, in theory, of course, you've only do fun things, of course you're going to be happier. But then we have this idea that that won't work, right? If we're only doing the fun things, then who's going to wash the dishes and who's going to go to work and make money and who's going to mow the lawn? If you only do the things that you want to do, who's going to do the other things? Here's my challenge to you. Test it anyway. Test it and figure out who does the other things. And maybe the person who does the other things is you, but when you're in a mood that you want to, rather than in a mood that you're going to detest the whole activity. And sometimes that means changing where your belief sits because you might believe that going to work makes you unhappy. But if you can change that belief to going to work makes you happy, then all of a sudden your whole day is different. And the only thing that you changed was your belief about it. Because as we say, nothing is good or bad until you decide it is. So if you decide that your job sucks and you hate it and you never want to go, you're never going to enjoy going. And that doesn't, it may be a lot harder to begin enjoying your job than just to just decide, okay, I'm going to be happy about going. Because if you have a lot of negative and unpleasant things at your work, you might have to work around that stuff. But I found myself in a position where I was dragging myself to go to work every day. Oh, I don't want to go to work. Oh, I don't want to go to work. But then once I actually went, it wasn't so bad. I'm a nurse. I have great patients. And at the time I was doing home health and I got to go to my patients' homes and visit them. And it was actually something that I quite enjoyed doing once I got out. And I had to have a talk with myself and say, why am I dragging myself out of the house to go do something that I like doing? Wouldn't it just be easier if I woke up in the morning and said, oh, I get to go to work today. I get to go to my patients' homes and visit them and love them and care about them and tend to their wounds, and I get paid for it. And when I changed how I approached that, it changed my work. And not only that, but I began finding fulfillment in my work in surprising manners. And then shortly after that, I got offered a different job that I've enjoyed even more. But it started, I believe, with me deciding I'm going to want to go to work today. And that's coming back to this challenge. Only do things that you want to do. And that means either don't do the things that you don't want to do or change your attitude about those things so that you do want to do them. But make a habit. Test this with the pebbles. Just start not doing some of the smaller things you don't want to do. Maybe you don't want to fold the socks anymore. Just toss them all in a basket and make the kids find their own matches in the morning. Start with the small things. And as you see that you don't actually have to do those things, that one way or another, most of those things will still be resolved and you'll be happier anyway, then you can start going for the bigger things. Then you can stop doing some of those bigger things that you really don't like doing. But I'm going to say this again because it came through in my meditation so clearly that I laughed out loud. But one of the simplest and yet most complicated concepts for your own happiness 
is don't do things you don't want to do. If you don't want to do something, don't do it. Listen to your heart. Even if everybody is at the door saying, come on, put your coat on, we're going. And if there's something inside of you that says, nah, I don't want to go, don't go. The important thing is to listen to those voices inside you and realize if it's your higher self that says, I'm not going to find pleasure in that. That's one thing. If it's your fear and ego personality that is afraid of going, that's another thing. And in that case, you may want to go because you may want to face that fear and grow through it. But I'm telling you, one really clear and easy secret to happiness is if you don't want to do something, you don't do it. It would be really easy to say, do all the things that you want to do. Well, you might not be able to do that. You might not have a credit card with that much room on it. So instead, flip the other thing. If you can't do all the things that you want to do, stop doing the things you don't want to do. I challenge you to test it. Even saying that, you know that there's cognitive dissonance. There's a part of you that believes that there's something to that. And there's a part of you that questions it because it goes against everything that you've ever known or believed or been taught. This is how you challenge it. Because everything that you've been taught didn't come from you. You are your highest and greatest source of revelation. You have access to that higher voice that speaks to your mind and to your heart. Other people can give you advice, but you are the only person who can hear that advice for yourself. I, at many times in my life, have accepted advice that came through what I believe, believed then and still believe now, was revelation. When I talk about that higher self voice talking to us, what I'm talking about is personal revelation. That's another word for it. This is revelation from God through your higher self, knowledge and information about what you should do. And there is no higher source for your personal revelation than you. Now you also have ability to receive revelation for those around you, especially people that might you might consider in in your stewardship. So revelation for your children, animals, etc., employees, clients, and so on. But it can reach higher than that. But here's the other thing too. If you receive some type of inspiration, some guidance for a client, and they're your client. You do have access to receive information and inspiration that might help them and support them. You can call them up and tell them that. However, you are not the highest source of revelation for your client. And if your client receives personal revelation that says something different, you need to respect their making their own decision. They have the right to make their own decision based on their own personal revelation. Because I don't care if you talked to God yesterday and he told you one thing. I talked to God today and I'm going to go with what he told me. If what you say agrees with what I said, even better. And I will certainly take your advice on counsel. 
But please, 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 if you've got God on one line and somebody on the other line who says that they have God on the other line, please listen to God first. I'm not saying don't listen to the other person. Other people have many great ideas, inputs, and insights that can help you. But that doesn't mean you should believe everything that they say. It means you should take it under counsel while you listen to your own higher self and knowledge about what is right for you and you find your own personal revelation about what is right for you. Just like when I got, when I was deciding whether or not to receive the COVID vaccine. I'm a registered nurse. I work around people with low immune systems. There were a million reasons why I should get the vaccine and also a million reasons why I shouldn't. And if I needed to look for more, all I had to do was go on Facebook. I was very much on the fence and I had people talking in all ears from all different directions trying to tell me what was right. But there's only one way I knew to get the right, the most right answer for me. And that wasn't to listen to anybody else. It was to go to my source. So I went and prayed about it and I went to God and I spoke through my higher self to the source of all that is. And I said, this is what's up. Should I get this vaccine? And I received an answer immediately and irrefutably that I should get the vaccine. And I did. And so far, it's gone very well for me. Does that mean you should get the vaccine? No, it does not. Just because I got it doesn't mean you should or shouldn't do anything. What you should do is the other thing I did and ask your higher power because I don't care who it is that's talking in your ear, what voices on Facebook, what video your friend can show you, what your mom says, what your leaders, directors, guidance say, take all of that on advice and you listen to your own personal revelation because when God is speaking to you, he's speaking to you or she or it or the or all that is. But listen, because you have a, just like you have a right to financial and energetic abundance, you absolutely have a right to every single piece of information and knowledge that the God and the universe and your higher self has to share with you. Don't be afraid to claim it. That's Della. I love you. Have an amazing week and I will see you soon.